Feel it coming in the air Yeah And there's screams from everywhere Yeah I'm addicted to the thrill I'm ready It's a dangerous Stop. love affair Come on Can't be scared when it goes down Got a problem, tell me Stop. now Only thing that's on my mind Is who go around this town Studio. This is Demry Lachey. Welcome you all to a great Monday morning. I'm on the line. Uh, we do have Kwame online on the phones lines, and it's it's Monday, man. How, how was your weekend? Hey, Demry. Hello. Oh yeah, I'm here, man. I can all right. I can barely hear. Um, right now, I'm trying to maybe need change locations, but yeah, I'm here. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely do. Big, a lot of football this weekend, a lot of sports in the NBA as well, and college football. Um, some of the men's basketball in college, you know, kicked off their Midnight Madness in uh, University of Kentucky. Of course, um, with the coaches poll coming out, or the AP poll, preseason polls coming out, Kentucky is number one, and their Midnight Madness was incredible. Saw tons of highlights on that. But right now, there's a lot of more news in the NFL and the NCAA. Um, we're going to start off, you know, with the Cardinals, talking about uh, the Cardinals and the Raiders. Uh, the game was in Oakland yesterday, and the Cardinals coming out on top 24-13. And uh huge play, you know, coming out. I think huge play was done by Andre Ellington, his efforts. Uh, no question about the Arizona Cardinals defense, but uh, I think Andre Ellington – Really deserved the game ball, especially offensively for the Cardinals, especially during that second half. Uh, pretty much the whole game, you know, he was catching the ball at the backfield pretty well for Carson Palmer and for that Cardinals offense. Um, what kind of things did you get out of the game, Kwame? Uh, I think that was a, a huge uh, uh, uplifting with uh, Andre Ellison and how he played that game. Coming out, being able to be a dual running back carrying their load as far as the rushing yards and then being a, a, a receiving running back, I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. It went a long way in uh, not being able to defend the Arizona Cardinals. You look at the Oakland Raiders, they are not a bad team. I know they are 0-6, but they are better than that 0-6 record. But the Cardinals was just too much for them. It was a mistake here, a mistake there. You look at the play, um, you look like a touchdown pass, but the Cardinals defender, Michael Floyd, was well covered. That was a perfect ball by Carson Palmer. I don't. I think a perfect throw all the time beats great coverage. Um, but the Oakland Raiders seems to be in position, but not making a play. But uh, it was just a great game overall. It puts yeah. uh, the Arizona Cardinals two games up uh, in first place in the NFC West, and that's just a great start. They haven't been five and one since nineteen seventy six, and that's a tragedy in itself. But it is what it is, and they are sitting good. They just got to finish out, be able to sustain this week, come back, have a great week of practice, and they got to fill up the Eagles. He's coming off a bad week. Yeah, and they're gonna be really healthy. Uh, taking, you know, taking that week off, kind of get your body body right, you get your mind right back for football. You miss out on the week, and you know, you just get that hunger to play again, especially against a a great team um, that the Cardinals are displaying, the number one team. Uh, in the NFC West now, and I think that's that's the hugest surprise yet of this story. That this Cardinals football team, you know, they haven't played their best football yet. You could tell offensively and defensively, 
Uh, defense is they're holding it down. You know when it really matters against a Raiders on six Raiders team. I mean, you really can't ask for much of their offense. They got a young quarterback and a rookie with Carr who didn't look impressive at all against that Cardinals defense. But um, you know you could tell how strong the Cardinals defense is playing and. Still, they haven't played their best ball though yet. You know, I don't know if it's due to the injuries or what. What's, you know, what do you think is the case? Like, I, I really don't understand why they haven't yet. At this point in the season, if they feel concerned about the injuries that has happened, that's already happened, then they're going to be in trouble going down into November and December trying to play good football. Right now, they're trying to move on. I think everything they have right now in place, they just have to get better, better at it. We talk about the defensive backs in the corner. I think they are still, they haven't played up to right. what we ex- expectation, if you will. They haven't played up to our expectation. And I know we're not on the football field. We're not at practice, not in the locker room. We're not in the meetings with these guys. But when you talk about uh, Patrick Peterson and Kramati, and then you have Rashad Johnson and Dale Buchanan and, and all the rest of that secondary, Tyrone Matthews, who's coming off injuries, you, you look at that and think, but the kind of strength of that team with the defense is that secondary. Right. That's the strength of that second that defensive unit with the secondary. But you see how they get beat and get balls scoring them a lot when they, with that type of talent and skill set, a lot of those balls should be catches. Just the lack of technique and effort and and not getting your head around them in time. But if you, if they concern about the injuries that they've already had and they're no longer going to get back a healthy body. Gerald Washington's gone. We knew he was gone before the season. He's been gone. Yeah. Abraham's gone because he wasn't sure if he wanted to play. And you got a lot of those injuries. Uh, Calais Campbell should come back this week for Philadelphia. Uh, also, um, Daniel Dawkins, he's gone for the season. Well, they, well Tom Bowles has done a great job of putting, continuing to put pressure on offenses. So they have to stop playing great football at this point to get over to that next level. Because if you look at the teams who's playing real good offensively, the Cardinals are going to have matchup problems with them if they don't start tightening up their defense, yeah. and that being that secondary unit. Absolutely, and starting off with the Eagles, that explosive offense, you know Chip Kelly's going to want to come in and test that defense out, kind of how Peyton Manning did, and he's going to throw you know 80 to 90 plays at the Cardinals' defense to really see and, and believe and see if this Cardinals' defense is for real. Um, you know, they, they played well against the Oakland Raiders, but they kind of got exposed, you know, still back to uh, the Broncos game. And uh, it was times in the first half, you know, where Carr was even finding open open receivers, um, making long passes downfield. And I don't know if that's just because it's the lack of uh, the injuries, like you said, injury concept. But I think it's some as if some of the pros, you know, some of the stars are not playing star potential. Like you said, Patrick Peterson and Cromartie. These are two right. defensive back stars, not, without a doubt. Top 10, maybe top 15, both unrespectfully, in the NFL. And I don't think they're playing up to their star potential. I think the play of Johnson, you know, he, he's looking incredible right now, especially off last week, the week, um, yeah, the week of last week when he had his two interceptions. He's playing like a star. He's playing like a pro. He's playing the best that he can. Him and Jefferson, they're getting better each week. Uh, Tyron Matthew, his better days, his days are you know are, are ahead of him. So is Buchanan. You can't really ask for much out of them too. And I think it's the lack of like stardom. You know, like we say, we think we call it lazy. 
But right. to them, I don't know if if they're not uh, if they don't feel that you know that intensity that you get before each game. You know, you can tell Jefferson has a lot of intensity. Larry Foot, you know, you can tell these guys are they're pro football players. They're ready to play. I don't think Patrick Peterson's ready until that camera's shining on him or they're playing a big opponent, which. You know, you don't know which Peterson or Cromartie you're going to get or Gerard Powers. You don't know which, you know, character you're going to get. And I think that's kind of what's lacking and what's scaring me about the 5-1 and one Cardinals on on the defensive side. Right. Did, uh, did Doug call in? Uh, I don't, Doug, I don't know if he had him on the line or not. Okay. Yeah, I, you can never be that, that great of a star and not be ready for a football game regardless of who your talent is, regardless of who your opponent is, you never take them for granted. I, I've learned that in high school, taking a team for granted, a team that you're supposed to blow out and come out and dominate, but mm-hmm. you have to be prepared for them, and then you only beat that team 7-0. Right. I learned that in high school. I never took another game or opponent for granted. I never took my talents for granted or anything or what the other person might have been through or going through and came here to do. Right. You look at Peyton Manning. It's a guy who prepares for every game, regardless of who his opponent is. And we look at it as fans, and we look at Peyton Manning and Denver Broncos and say, oh, they're going to blow this team out. But then you look on the field and you see the intensity Peyton still has, regardless of who that came, whoever the worst team is that he's playing against. He still has that intensity to go out there and get the job done. And I don't see that, and you alluded to that with Patrick Peterson and, and Kamari. I don't see that they're ready to play immediately even in warm-ups, their intensity. And they might be, and all of us showed it, all of we played, and we showed it in different ways. Mm-hmm. But when a guy comes out and catch a ball on me, they have no business catching balls on me on a certain route combination, it looks like, well, he's not ready to play. Right. So I think that's a huge mistake. And uh, what they, uh, maybe my assessment, but how these guys are coming out ready for football games. Yeah, and I think... Now we're talking about a 5 or one Arizona yeah. team, so. And and that and that just you know it just shocks me. Like at this point of the season, offensively or defense, you never seen that dominant display. I think the defense played well against that Chargers game week one, but you know it's week one. You know you're not getting your best offensive performance that the Chargers gave. And at the same time, I'm I'm, I'm waiting for this offense to explode. And I don't know if it's you, but. Every time I watch Carson Palmer like throw the ball deep, I kind of quinge because I know about his shoulder injury. Uh-huh. And I don't know. I just every time he threw the ball deep, either to Michael Floyd or um, John Brown, you know, yesterday's game, they were trying to attack that defense. But each throw, you know, was either overthrown. But I just kind of quinge right now with his with his shoulder issue, and it kind of yeah, makes me nervous. Hope, and Hope is all right. I don't know if you uh, noticed last week when they when they said he was the starter, and Bruce Aarons is always. Bruce Aarons already said this is Carson Palmer's team, and and give credit to Drew Stanton who came in and did a good job. I think Absolutely. in the absence of uh, that, uh, when he went three and one, I thought that's that's great. That's a great backup that can go three and one in the absence of the starter, mm-hmm. especially when you know the job is not yours. And Bruce Aarons already stated that when Carson Palmer comes back, the job is his. I think Carson Palmer hurt his uh, shoulder trying to give a high five or autograph to a kid. After the San Diego game, he slipped and fell in the tunnel. No one saw that. Uh, but I think that's when he hurt his shoulder. I don't think he had anything to do with football. Now, I hate you when you say you cringe when he throw the ball because it looks like it's just going, you're just going to have a tunnel job with the elbow or the shoulder going to come out of place. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think he, uh, 
with lineup if he's not ready to play. Now, they were last week, as I was mentioning, they were talking about extending him. They was working out a contract on what the contract may be. So he is a guy. I guess the shoulder's fine. It's been tested. It's been MRI, X-ray. The shoulder's fine. And, and probably what he can, can contribute to, attribute to that team. Uh, my concern is uh, to be on top of it a little bit, or may, maybe on top of it, but more on the sidebar, is how they stalling out Larry Fitzgerald just so they don't have to pay him oh, that man. $19 million. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, do you, you think they will give it that nineteen million? I don't. I, I just don't see it. He deserves it. I he deserves it. But I think it's, it's noticeable what they're doing. What is that? Not what you mean by that? And I, and, yeah. and I agree with Bruce Aaron when he said those days are gone when we just looking for one player because the Cardinals always just look for whether he was double team or triple team. They would throw the ball to Fitzgerald, and I thought that was a mistake in itself, but. Bruce Aaron come in and say, those days are gone. I'll say, that's great. The ball will be spread around, but you do have Michael Floyd. You do have John Brown. You got, you got two other, other dynamic, two other dynamic, uh, not dynamic. You got two other good receivers over there. That, uh, that's another Brown. You have two Browns over there. No. But they are not, there have been games where he, he might have one ball, one catch, or three targets, no catch, because they can't get him the ball. Uh, and I thought, how you go from, and he's not old where he can't make those plays. We've seen him last week so excited because he don't know what, to me it looks like, I don't know, when I'm going to get another ball. I'm about to go crazy when I get the ball. Larry used to just catch the ball, touchdown, stick it to the receiver, go to the sideline and cheer. I'm seeing him doing things I've never seen before, and I can understand why. But I can see them just kind of stalling him out, but they don't say that's not the reason. Yeah, and I think he's really starting to come really frustrated, uh, especially at the end of the game or his comments yes. to reporters. You know, he he's starting to seem really frustrated, trying to put himself distant, but he can't. You know, he can't distance himself when you're the face of the franchise. And, you know, you can see the frustration on the field as well. Uh, it was quite a few times. You know, I'm watching the game, and I see Larry Fitzgerald, you know, uh, you know, cursing to himself or, like, getting frustrated. You could tell, like, right. his, his actions on the field is starting to show. And, you know, he's never been a guy that shows actions on the field. He's always had the same concept. But, I mean, I can understand his frustration. But at the same time, I, I, I agree with Bruce Arians. Those days are over with. With this whole yeah. new spread concept coming out of college football, you can develop. You got a good three, four, five receivers, you know, in the NFL on each team or in college football where it's not just that one dominant guy. I mean, that one dominant specimen now, you got to be like an Alshon Jeffrey or Brandon Marshall or Calvin Johnson. You got to have that, you know, that body, that concept, that figure, you know, just a yeah. big, just a big monster, young, can run and jump. And Larry, you know, he's starting to get up there with his age. So the Cardinals are thinking, I'm thinking that they're believing that his, his days, his glory days are over. His better days are behind him now. Now, yeah, and that may be the case because yeah. everybody's time comes to an end. Right. But don't don't try to label him before it's time for him to be labeled. Don't try to say he still don't have it because when you throw him the ball, we see what he does. He's still Larry Fitzgerald as we know him. Right. Now we want to we want to. It's, it's the whole propaganda in, in my case, in my opinion. Whereas, well, we can say it enough and loud enough and make everybody believe it. Then when he doesn't catch the ball, we say, oh, yeah, I guess he is getting old. He's getting old. <laughs> when he's getting old, not having the ball thrown to him. He's getting old, not having to, having to catch any balls. Let him catch the ball. 
a half ball thrown to him, and if he's dropping him, then we can say, oh, it's a different Larry Fitzgerald. But the case is a different Larry Fitzgerald when you're not even getting those balls, those numbers. And I, and I agree. I agree 100% with Bruce Harris. I agree with you. Those days are over. Look what the Denver Broncos is doing. Everybody touches the ball there, and yeah. they are winning. They are 5-1. and one. They are the same record as the Cardinals, but they are winning. And the Cardinals, in my opinion, have a better defense than the Denver Broncos. But they have to assure that offense up moving forward because that's what's going to propel them to get as far as they can in the trail. Yeah, you just got to find ways, I think. Uh, Bruce Aarons just needs to find ways of getting uh, Larry his catches, his balls you know, thrown to him. Uh, he's finding ways for John Brown to get the ball in his hands. So I think you could find ways to find get the ball in your veteran hands. Uh, we're about to come up and take a little break. Um, but before the break, you know, we got to have a discussion. Um, the ultimate record for the week is 5-1. and one. It's three teams in the state of Arizona that are 5-1. and one. When we come back, we're going to compare and see which 5-1 uh, which team is going to stand out, who can last that 5-1. and one. Uh, You listen to Kwame Laster Sports. Talk radio show, and uh, we'll be back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This here's a champ for all the fellas. Try to do what those ladies tell us. Get shot down because you're overzealous. Play hard to get females. Welcome back. To the Kwame Laster Sports Talk radio show. Uh, I'm in studio, Demry Lachey. We got Kwame on the line. Uh, call in at 888-346-9144 uh, anytime uh, today or this week. Uh, download. Don't forget to download the Voice America app. Uh, follow. You can follow the show and many other shows along with the Voice America Network. Now, before the break, you know, we were talking about uh, – we were talking about – Arizona sports uh, or the football programs, I guess you could say, the Cardinals, the uh, A of U of A, um, Wildcats, and ASU Sun Devils, they're all 5-1. and one. 
And right now we got Doug Brewer on the line. Doug, you with us? Yeah, I'm here, man. Hey, how you doing, Doug? Pretty good. How you doing, dude? I'm doing pretty good. How was the weekend? It was good, man. We got ASU win, Cardinals win. It was a great football weekend for Arizona. Yeah. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. And U of A, they're coming off their bye week, all at five and one. So uh, my question is to to you both. You know, which which five and one team? I want to hear both your opinions. You know, which five and one team you think is going to keep that hold? Uh, Whether it's the Cardinals, the Sun Devils, or the Wildcats, who's going to keep that that edge that five and one record that you know that team who's going to win it out for the rest of this season? I, I think it's going to be the, um, it, it's a different level. True, yeah. But, yeah. but, but no, but I hear you, I understand. The question is good, good great question. Uh, the Cardinals have, they're 5-1, and one, and they have the Philadelphia Eagles coming in. The U of, uh, ASU are 5-1, and one, and they have Utah. So that's a different, yeah. uh, and what they have to do. And I went to the courtesy of uh, Doug, I went to the ASU game. It was exciting. It was exciting to be back on the college team because the week before that, I was at Kansas, and the college atmosphere is great. But at the ASU game, I saw a lot of things that didn't need to show up. Uh, Berkovici, I think that's his name, yeah. um, the guy who played football. The quarterback was in the absence of Kelly, uh, Taylor, Taylor Kelly. He could play football, but then you're getting Taylor Kelly back. So I think that takes the... That should take the ASU Sun Devils to a 6-1. It's going to be tough with the Arizona Cardinals and the Philadelphia Eagles, but Arizona Cardinals keep the host that game. They're at home, and I think they'll be able to pull it off. They do a lot of things defensively, uh, courtesy of Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator, uh, and they're scheming where they can get to the quarterback. And we know Nick Foles is not a mobile guy, but Nick Foles gets the ball out of his hands. He's going to have to be able to do that this week. They, get, uh, they had injuries two weeks ago. But they did have a bye week, and some of those injuries were one or two weeks. And maybe Darren Sproles come back or not. But then they get a lot of their guys healthy, the Philadelphia Eagles. But they have to travel here to do so. So I think Arizona Cardinals and uh, ASU will both be 6-1 by the weekend. And U of A, I don't know who they play. But I I didn't put them in a category as far as who was the same because a lot of their – I look at how they played – Nevada, okay, they blew them out, but I look how they played uh, San Antonio, and they almost lost that game. But I look at the Hail Mary uh, games, they they were able to pull off, but not in a winning fashion. But they won a game, take it and run with it. I'll be the first to say that. Take the win and run and yeah. find a way to play, practice harder, better, different, and take transfer, transfer that from practice to the game and play better football. I just don't know if uh, U of A did the same. Yeah, U of A, they got uh... – Washington State, they're playing at Washington State this coming up Saturday, and Arizona State they play at uh, five and two, uh, University of Washington, UW. Oh, University of Washington. Yeah, that's and who they got. University of Washington. Yeah. And do they got Notre Dame or do they got Utah? I believe they have. They've got well, they've got Washington coming up, then they come back home for Utah, then they've got the home game against Notre Dame. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Utah is uh, two weeks. Okay. Yep, and that, that Utah team is a tough team to to play. I mean, they struggled with them last uh, year. But even with ASU, you've got them at 5-1. Mm-hmm. Washington, it's a tough game up there in Washington, but I believe they're going to come out with a victory there, uh, especially after that Stanford win. Utah, it's going to be a tough game. I think we come out on top there. Notre Dame, that's going to be – I mean, we were watching them against Florida State. Um, that's going to be probably their toughest game they have left because after that, it's Oregon State, Washington State, and then U of A. Um, 
you know, so I, I see Sun Devils coming out every the last six games they have winnable games. Yeah. Um, it just depends on how that defense plays. If they play like they did against Stanford, they can they can win outright. Um, UCLA, that defense shows up. They're going to have a tough couple games there, um, and they're going to be looking at probably two, three losses. So that's going to really depend on ASU on how that defense comes out and how they play. Um, U of A, you already know how I feel about U of A. Um, <laughs> so they're they're definitely not going to be up there. And then the Cardinals, I mean, they're they're looking good. I know we were talking about them earlier, and um, you know, mentioned with Carson Palmer and Larry and everybody else, but they've got the weapons. Yeah. But they still have Seattle to play twice. Um, San Francisco they play again. St. Louis they play. K, uh, Kansas City, Dallas, Philly. So they still got a tough schedule coming up as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how both all three teams really finish out the year. Yeah, it's it's going to be crazy. I I think uh, now with Arizona State's victory over uh, Stanford this past Saturday, I think they they really do have a true legitimate shot at making the playoffs. I say this because the SEC teams they steadily just knocking themselves off um, each each and every game, but then. Some way, somehow, they always luck out and still remain in that top eight, top seven, even when they knock each other off. And I think the Dark Horse team will be, you know, either Arizona State or even U of A. You know, if they keep up this uh, win, if they go in and win these ugly games like they have been, they keep it up through throughout the rest of the season. I think they may have an outside shot as well. But I think ASU, with the games against a ranked Utah team, uh, Washington, they should be ranked. And uh, ranked Notre Dame team, um, if they went out, I believe they're going to have that shot at the playoffs because of what the SEC is going to knock each other off. Even the Pac-12 is knocking each other off and in the Big 12 because uh, Baylor lost this weekend. Yeah, and Kansas State won. Kansas State beat Oklahoma. Yeah, I, I didn't exactly. see that as an upset, but it was a great win for all those. It was on the road. They won on the road. Yeah, they went on the road. That was a great win. I thought it, I thought that would be the case. But the uh, you look at the uh, the playoff and the bowl projections, and they are finding a way to keep certain teams in there, and it's kind of sickening because we went away from the BS, the B, uh, what is it, BCS? We went away from that nonsense, and then and then we rank these teams. Who's the number? Who's the number one team? Is it Ole Miss? No, Ole Miss, Miss, Mississippi, no Mississippi State, State, and Florida State, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss. Florida State. And, and Ole, Ole Miss, Miss, and then you have, have Alabama, Alabama right back at number four. Put them right back in that game. Right. Same thing I said three weeks ago when they lost. Don't worry. They went from number two to number seven. <laughs> so if they keep winning, they'll be right back in the game. And it's amazing. And when you look at the teams like Michigan State, who's still stuck at number eight, you look at or number seven, you look at these teams, they don't get a chance to get in. They don't get a chance to because they're voting and they're – perception and their love for certain teams and and you can keep going back to say well it's the SEC well just because the SEC all the SEC teams are not good and because you can beat them you're supposed to beat them right and right well, now and right the now it it's, up, the way it looks now it'll mm-hmm. be Ole Miss and the SEC against the Big Ten that'd be the 14 playoff and Michigan State should get in there somehow but you put if the season go accordingly then you put you put Florida State and Alabama right back into a game. 
the ACC, and then the SEC. You put them right back to the game because Alabama will come out of there. Uh, and it's crazy. Then at least it's going to be arguments all across the board about it anyway, even when we change to six teams or eight teams. Right. But there's going to be that ninth team or that seventh team that you leave out. Right. And right now it's 15 teams that are that have won losses that's ranked in the top 25 in the AP poll this week. It's 15 teams, and Alabama is uh, the, the the one who's sitting at that four spot in that last spot of the 15 teams with the one losses. And I think with the SEC, if, uh, Alabama look like they're going to win out. They look like they have that hunger back. Um, it's going to come down to them playing um, Auburn, of course. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a good one. Yeah, and this time it's at Alabama, so – um, I think Auburn was the better team probably about a week ago till this week. Uh, Alabama just looked resurgent. They look way – they look back together. But don't don't uh, don't forget about Georgia. They're 6-1. and one. It's a lot of teams that lost at the beginning of the season that are winning now. Like like you said, Michigan State, Kansas State, uh, Ohio State, and then ASU and U of A. Uh, you know, these guys, I think – those well, are your top. Be in the top ten. I thought ASU would be number ten. I thought they were. I, I thought they would as well. But I guess <laughs> I don't know. Like um, that one loss, I guess, really hurt them that bad um, to UCLA. But well, they, yeah, that's UCLA, and then the UCLA yeah. they lose to Oregon, and then uh, who uh, who beat Oregon was um, U of A. U of A. U of A. See, see the see the hypocrisy to it. The nonsense that comes with it. Yeah, definitely. The top ten teams in the uh, AP poll is TCU is at ten across the board, except in uh, if, yeah AP and coaches they number ten. Then Georgia, Notre Dame, and Michigan split in those two. Uh, Notre Dame and Oregon, Oregon and Auburn, Auburn and Michigan State, and coaches poll they got Michigan State number five, yeah. Alabama number four on both polls. Absolutely. Man. Hey Doug, I know you're a huge you know you're you're a big ASU guy, you're a big ASU fan. Yeah. And uh, you know they got a tough stretch of games coming up. Uh, do you it believe is. if they went out uh, throughout, uh, they get through this tough stretch and they finish the season strong, and then they got the big game against U of A at the end of the season? How do you feel about them getting to the playoffs? You know, and, and uh, you've got to look at the politics within the the, the college bowl system. And I mean, we've always known SEC, SEC is always out there and everything else. So. The Pac-12 doesn't get a whole lot of love, um, but if you get, if you look at ASU's schedule, if they have just that one loss, which is at UCLA, mm-hmm. um, which they, I mean, they were in it till halftime, and then that second half they just kind of let it go. Um, but you win the USC, you beat Stanford, you beat a Utah team and a Notre Dame team. Uh, Notre Dame still ranked, I think, top ten as it is right now. I believe like what number seven? Yeah, um, number seven. You know, I mean, you've got to look at. They come into it with one loss. What's the other teams that's out there? Because they're playing each other, so they're going to have one or two losses, maybe three. How can you not look at that team that's only had one loss against at the time a ranked team and not put them up in there uh, in that in that top four, top five category for the playoff? So there's obviously we know there's a lot of factors that come into play coming up here, and you know we still got six weeks of college football left, so a lot of things can happen. Um, but no, if they if they went out right. Why? Why wouldn't they have a chance to to the playoff spot with the teams that they beat? Yeah, I, I agree. ASU, um, ASU, forty five. I mean, they, they they are beating teams and they find and they winning on the road. Uh, they come home. Uh, I, 
we can look at the UFC game and that's what it was, but it, they won a game on the road. You come back home and you beat Stanford 2016, a Stanford team that everybody had highly ranked in Highland Tony as one of the best in the Pac-12. Yeah. Okay, you got Washington. Then you're coming home for Utah and Notre Dame. Then you're on the road against Oregon State. Washington at home and ASU. I look at that schedule, the remaining schedule for ASU, and they got two tough games. They got Notre Dame and they got U of A. And I don't care if U of A was 1 in 11 or 1 in 10 and ASU was 10 and 1. That's going to be a tough game still. It's all, they always play each other that, that toughness. Yeah. But, so I always put that, yeah, so I'll put that game as one of their tough games. Now, Let's say they, they, they run the house. They, they, run, they run the table. They're not going to move any more than six plays in the polls because of the politics that come with it. And you look at everybody they beat and everybody before the season started who they said was somebody like the um, Notre Dames, like the Stanford, like the, um, and you play in the Pac-12 where there's Oregon, UCLA, and then you got um, U of A, who's 5-1. Who's it's not going to mean anything to the Rangers. They just don't believe ASU should be there. Because I thought after that Stanford game, I thought ASU would be number ten come Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think what they, I think they only moved up a spot, like one spot. Yeah, right. And you and me just uh, got. I think there were seventeen. Yeah, there were seventeen, 17? coming into the Stanford okay. game, and they're at fourteen now. Um. So you've got Ohio State at thirteen, Baylor at twelve, K State at eleven, and then TCU at ten. They're going to yeah. beat each other out. Those Big 12 teams, uh, I thought Oklahoma was going to be, you know, the number one untouchable team in that Big 12. But, I mean, TCU, you know, they beat them, they beat them uh, pretty soundly at home. I know it came down last heroics, but they was putting up points against Oklahoma. Then you had Kansas State who came into OU and just dominate that game, even though it came down to a, a last field goal, a last possession that the kicker missed, you know, a few times. But – I think they're going to beat each other out. Uh, TCU, they're going to take another loss here. Um, they haven't played Kansas State yet. And those teams are going to beat each other out. That's why I think ASU would do a dramatic jump if they can beat at Washington, which I think is going to be tougher than playing Utah at home. And then you got to you got to play, you got to beat that Notre Dame team uh, who are, I think they look exceptional uh, Saturday night. I know I owe you that Taco Tuesday for you, Kwame, but – uh, going going on, talk about the Notre Dame game. How do you guys feel about the, you know that exceptional rub route call? Um, that Notre Dame, you know, I thought I thought the game was won. I was happy. I was jumping up and down. I was thinking free tacos, and I was I was excited. <laughs> I was I was jumping up and down until they called it back. But how do you all feel about you know that controversial call? That's I think they have to do a better job. You know, the the, uh, how are they going to define that? Oh. It was controversy in a sense of. When I watched the play a couple of times, the receiver didn't even look like he was trying to run a route. And what made the call difficult is that you had to call it. You had to call it in that moment, in that time. And it was the second quarter somewhere. I don't know if I called that call. Uh, but to be fair, you have to make the call. So I hate when referees don't call fouls in a basketball game early in the game, but at the end of the game, they call a foul. So keep it consistent. In that game, I watched the receivers, the Notre Dame receivers come off and block to, to clear a path for the number three receiver to go into the flat, wide open touchdown. The only thing about that 
is that they had the toughness to that card that they had to call it. They did the same thing on the other side of a play before, or they couldn't call it on that play on the other side. But to, to powers that be kept Florida State undefeated, kept Florida State in the national hunt. Uh, and Notre Dame played a great game up to that point. They were balling. They came out to play the quarterback for Notre Dame. Uh, I, he, didn't, he didn't have those fumbles that we, uh, we talked about. He played outstanding. Uh, everybody else around him needed to step it up. Yeah. How do you feel about it, Doug? That that last that last call. We got about a minute left. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I feel the same with Kwame. You look uh-huh. at the replay, and clearly not running the route. Um, I know on Facebook they're kind of claiming that the the DB was holding him. And regardless, it was a play. Like I said, you put the rest in that position to have to make that call. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and overall, it was a great game. It just it, it it's tough for Notre Dame and Notre Dame fans to come down to that and have that loss, but, I mean, what are you going to do at the end of the game? It's, it is what it is. You had one last play, and you couldn't convert, and, you know, so it's just it's a tough break for Notre Dame, but really it is. We're in that position, you know? Yeah. I hate when great games come down to that last second controversial call. It just ruins. I know. Kind of, kind of ruins, throws a cloud over that game overall because that was, that was probably the best game of the season, I, I believe, uh, thus far. And I had to come watch it because I was at the ASU game, so I had to come watch the re- the, uh, the uh, I recorded it. Uh-huh. So I had to come and watch it. But I was looking at the score while I was at the ASU game, and I was thinking, Notre Dame will win this game. They had them up by probably two touchdowns at one point. Yeah, yeah, they were up by yeah. They had a hand. They had a good good lead at Florida State, so right. I thought they had the game won as well. But uh, James, famous James, man, doing what he does best, staying efficient, uh, staying to the course, and found a way to win the game. Found a way to win at home. Uh, they move on. Hopefully, you know, they're going to win out, so they're going to have their team in the playoffs. Uh, yeah. we got about a few seconds left before break. Uh, coming up, you know, it was a record-breaking, record-setting, I guess you could say, performance by Peyton Manning finally passing the all-time touchdown record. Uh, we're going to give both of you all perspective um, of his whole career as a whole and where he stands at now of, of the great quarterbacks and also um, something happened with – yeah. Yeah, we are. And <laughs> something else happened, you know, with the Seattle Seahawks, the defending Super Bowl champions, um, that, you know, just really wasn't expecting. Uh, this is Kwame Lasseter, the Sports Talk Show, and we'll be back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. 
Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacy DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you ready to talk sports with a passion? Get ready for Cheap Shots with Luther Broughton and Micah Warren. We'll start off with the NFL pretty much always, but the talk moves along from there. We'll talk about the events of the week, opinions from the big names, and predictions of what's to come. Plus, we'll get to hear from you, the ultimate fan. Don't let the name of the show fool you. We're in it for the good stuff. Cheap Shots can be heard live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time or p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Welcome back to the Palmy Lazarus Sports Talk Show. Uh, I'm in studio, Demi Larche. We got on the lines, uh, Kwame. Kwame Lasser is on the phone line along with Mr. Doug Brewer. Uh, going in before break, you know, we were talking about uh, the ASU and U of A and Cardinals, you know, all being 5-1 and one and seeing where they go on from here. Um, and, then, you know, we, we had just a great discussion about it. Um, along with what uh, football happened for this past weekend in the NFL, uh, the Denver Broncos, you know, they hosted the San Francisco 49ers last night, and they beat them pretty soundly, which I am really shocked by, um, especially going into this season. You know, the Cardinals or the Broncos, you know, they had to play the NFC West, the hardest division, and so far they are they're doing what they uh, they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're beating these NFC West teams. Uh, they beat the Cardinals and. Um, only loss coming to two was the Seahawks, but they dominated both the Cardinals and the 49ers. That says a lot about the Broncos. And along with their quarterback play, with Peyton Manning uh, beating out Brett Favre's record for most touchdown passes in the career at 5.09, finished the evening at 5.10. And just beating these guys, you know, pretty soundly. They beat a great, I think, a great 49ers defense, same way he did against the Cardinals defense. Uh, didn't find a way against the uh, Seattle Seahawks, who had lost, um, who lo- took a loss to the uh, St. Louis Rams this past weekend. But go along with Peyton Manning and the Broncos. Uh, you know, this guy, he keeps breaking record after record. More records are coming his way. Doug, how do you feel about Peyton Manning and where he stands at uh, in his career thus far? Hey, as old as he is, he's still doing it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, he came off, everybody was worried how he was going to perform after that injury. And, I mean, obviously we can see he hasn't really lost a whole lot of step uh, with his age. But, I mean, through, what, four touchdown passes last night? Right. Yeah, he, he threw four touchdowns. And he needed two for the two for the, the tie. I mean, two for the tie, yep. So, I mean, obviously he's still, he's still doing it. I mean, throwing it out there, he had, what, 318 yards? Yeah. So I don't think he's lost that much of a step after that injury. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just straight, straight dominance, man. His whole, almost about about his whole career, um, and he's still doing it at a high level. And so, you know, now on to you, Kwame. You know, uh, man, you we go back and forth about Peyton Manning's career. I think he's the greatest of all time. As soon as he get these numbers together, uh, where do you think he just puts him? 
now that he has this record. Now that he has one, I think that's not going to get touched for quite some time. Where do you think that puts uh, him now? I, I'm interested to see uh, how he finished up this season because I would love for him to come back one more year and put that record that Brett Favre, Brett Favre had at 509, put that record to 600. And I think he can do it. Mm-hmm. I agree with uh, the injury. I'm not going to call him old, but I say he's, he is what great Cubs would. You have to be able to change your game in, in the midst of everything that's going on as you get older, like Michael Jordan and those guys did. I can't drive for the basket anymore like I used to. I can do it if I have to, but I need to be able to revamp my game and change my game so I'm still competitive and can play at a high level for however long the game takes to finish. I think Peyton Manning has done that. I think Peyton Manning has uh, come into an offense because we, we, we all know he had different choices with Arizona Cardinals, Seattle, San Francisco, uh, probably one or two more other teams that he could have went to other than Denver. he go to Denver, and they put an offense around him that you would think Tebow was, uh, made Tebow look good, but Peyton Manning, Tebow had a defense. Peyton Manning didn't and doesn't. Peyton Manning put up points to allow his defense to do what he does. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not getting off the subject. I'm going to get into my point. Peyton Manning is great. The greatest, I don't know, because there's a list of the guys that I didn't see play, so I don't neglect uh, their stats. Peyton Manning went to two Super Bowls, three Super Bowls, and won one. Getting to the Super Bowl is an accomplishment in itself mm-hmm. because you can look at all the guys who go in the Hall of Fame who don't have Super Bowls that play quarterbacks at a high level. Um, and these guys, are, these guys, I don't even know if there's any quarterback in the Hall of Fame that doesn't have a Super Bowl or haven't won a Super Bowl. Uh, maybe Warren Moon. Dan Marino. Dan Marino. Yeah. Uh, but you got Sammy Bar, Jim Kelly, and all those guys. I, I'm, going, I'm going all the way back. Terry Bradshaw, who I feel think is one of the elite guys. Troy Aikman, uh, Autumn Graham. I, I, I'm listing guys that we didn't get to see play, but you get to go back and watch their family. Like, this guy was awesome. But the game did change. And I, and I, was, I was always a Peyton Manning fan. I was also a Roger Starbuck fan, too. The Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Drew Brees fan. The record he brought, I was a Jim, uh, Brett Favre fan. The guy's record that he brought, uh, broke yesterday. So I think he's up there in that elite group. I think he's there in that elite group. But it'd be hard for me to say he's that number one guy out of all those quarterbacks that I just mentioned. I didn't say Johnny United show my channel. I didn't mention Steve Young um, and, and his counterpart, Tom Brady, who, who has more... Super Bowl ranked in them, but Peyton was in a circumstance in a situation where he had defense. He had uh, had dynamic receivers when he played. Now, I know know how you feel about him, but (laughs) I'm never going to say Peyton Manning to me is like Kobe. I'm never going to count him out. If he's on the football field, he's Mm going to get it done. Yeah, you know, and I I respect that because it's hearing it from a whole – different, you know, view of it because, you know, I've just been following him ever since his rookie, you know, season back in Indianapolis. So, you know, you, you, you played against him. You you know more, you know, about playing against him. Playing, you know guys who played with Peyton and against him. So you got a whole nother perspective. But from my view of it and knowing the game, I just see it as, you know, other than, uh, you know, all the greats that you mentioned, um, well, I think what separates Peyton is that, you know, he's, he did it at a high level for 
I think for a longer period of time than the players before him. And he he's not really I wouldn't say the guys before him they they piggyback with their teams, but they I think overall they had better teams. And Peyton Manning, he was the franchise wherever he went, whether he was in Indianapolis and where he's at now. And the way he still does things from uh you know, from nine to five the way he goes to work is just—it's incredible. Yeah, his knowledge of the game and watching film and whatnot—it's incredible. It's at a high—it's at a high level. But I think with him taking a franchise like the Colts and taking a franchise like the Broncos and taking them to another level—I mean, I, I think that's just incredible by itself. And you know, he really didn't have no superstar, no Hall of Fame help when he was in Indianapolis, besides Marvin Harrison. I hope to be Reggie Wayne. Um, you know, unlike these other teams like the 49ers, the Giants, these guys had Hall of Famers all over the field. I can list a, uh, I can write a top ten greatest <laughs> quarterbacks and not put Peyton Manning in there. But that would be I crazy. Can see that. I can yeah. list ten guys and not put Peyton Manning in there because mm-hmm. when they played and how they played. But uh, then, you know, yeah. leaving Peyton Manning out of top ten, uh, what this guy's done and what he's doing, uh it's argue, you can argue it, but yeah. I could I could write down ten quarterbacks and not put Peyton Manning in there. I can see that, and like you said, the big the big the biggest is you know how the game has changed. There's a lot more flags being thrown, a lot a lot more ways to keep the quarterback healthy, keep the quarterback up. Um, it allows Peyton Manning to sit in that pocket way more than uh, Steve Young had to, and Joe Montana and the boys. You know the, the game with the game has changed. It really has helped Peyton. I think. Um, last this long, especially after that neck injury, that neck surgery, I think this allows him to play even more, you know, than what the guys did before him. Well, that was another. Um, that was another record broke uh, by uh, Demarco Mary last night. Yes, yesterday. yes, and the Cowboys sitting at what? Are they six and one, five and one now? Cowboys are six and one. Cowboys and, and, are six and, and one. I, I'm gonna stop talking bad about them until they prove me wrong again. Now it's the regular season. And I'm gonna keep talking bad until they show me something in the playoffs. Doug, but do you, you know what they took? Yeah. They took the ball out of uh, Tony Romo's hand, put it in Marco Mara's hand, and then yeah. that team flourished. And he broke. I think was it Jim Brown's or Gail? It was Jim Brown's record. Yeah. Seven, Jim Brown had six straight starting the season, six straight rushing 100 yards. Yeah. Demarco Mara had seven straight and counting and counting <laughs> and counting. Correct. Doug, do you think? Are Dallas going to pull the ball out of DeMarco Murray's hand to save him for the playoffs, to save that body? You know, you don't want to see him get beat up too much. And that's tough because you've got, you've got the, you know, five and one. You take it out of his hands, put it back in Romo's, do you lose the game and not make the playoffs? <laughs> you've got to make it. Where's that line? Do, you, do I think they're going to pull it a little bit? Yeah. Um, but not enough to have a factor or anything else. Um, because you've got to put it in his hands to keep winning, and right. that's the way you're going to make the playoffs. Right. So, I mean, it's just common sense. But look at, if you're winning by putting it in his hands and let him run the ball, let him run the ball, put the team on his shoulders, and let's carry it into the playoffs. You know, then once you secure it, then, okay, let's rest him off of, you know, a couple of weeks. Like, um, you know, you always usually do with uh, once you secure that playoff spot. But I think you've got to ride him and secure a couple more victories before you start really – taking that out of his hands yeah absolutely and you know the weather's going to get colder so that's that's what scares me is that you got to run the ball once the weather gets colder you can't really pass the ball as much 
Um, and Romo can't pass the ball as it is anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's a so definitely give or take. Like either you take that chance and take the ball in his hands and put it in Romo and trust Romo. What is this? His tenth year or ninth year to lead him to the playoffs at the end of the season, or you keep doing what you're doing. I think they should keep pounding the rock. DeMarco Murray, he looks healthier than ever. I mean, he has seven games over 100 yards. He doesn't need 100 yards a game, and they'll still win. So, you know. Uh, and, then, and then look at Seattle trading Harvin. I mean, the NFC yeah. West is. And I think that's what affected them um, against the Rams. They had no dynamic player out there besides Russell Wilson who threw for over 300 yards and ran for 100 yards I mean it looked like a one-man show and now he's about to get paid the big bucks I think they made room for his contract now to get to get held on to and to progress even further on uh well you know what they should have said that's what the case was instead of saying he got anger management problems and and, well you know they're gonna do that you like the same way they did Deshaun Jackson so Right, right. Don't don't go through all that, man, and try to tarnish a guy's career and how he feeds his family, how he go about his business. You know he's a, you know he plays football for his living, which will maybe another five years. Uh, but don't don't put no tarnish on him. And we we never heard about that. And and when you look at the Seattle Seahawks and all all they've been through with players, we didn't hear about them except for the. Uh, Oh, they banned four games, and we left it at that. We didn't, we didn't have no character issues about them. But then, if you try to make room for Percy Harvin or for Russell Wilson to get a contract, which he deserves a contract, don't don't push Percy Harvin out the door, and then take and then have his character in question with uh, he has anger management problems. Right. That, that I thought that was just the wrong way to go about it. Uh, and they do they do a lot of teams. Uh, a lot of teams do a lot of guys like that. And I just think it's a dumb way to do business. But just let them go and let uh, let somebody else deal with it. All right. Hey, and I know we only have a couple minutes left, but yeah. what's up with the NFC South right now? <sighs> yeah, Carolina on top at three and three. <laughs> they are south, and they look they and they look bad. And I don't know where the the New Orleans Saints are at. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with them. I mean, three and three, New Orleans two and four, Atlanta two and five, Tampa Bay one and five. I mean, that just, that just that NFC South is terrible right now. Yeah, and what's and what makes it worse is that one of those teams have to get into the playoffs, and another mm-hmm. team is going to be out because of. Well, that'll be like yeah. that'll be like Green Bay getting in. They probably be eight and seven and nine get in like Green Bay got in last year, and then probably end up hosting somebody, which is crazy. <laughs> All right, and. Green Bay's they're looking pretty good. Um, Aaron Rodgers is back to his form. He's trusting his guys. Finally, Randall Cobb finished the game with more receptions than Jordy Nelson. Um, <laughs> I mean, they, they're looking good. You know, they're looking pretty good. But unfortunately, uh, we about out of time. Um, you can listen to us tomorrow. We got to talk more about you know this Percy Harvin deal and where the Seattle Seahawks now as the defending champions. And you know, do y'all think they're going to defend this title? I don't see it. But, uh, fortunately, yeah, we're out of time. We're going to talk more football, more upcoming uh, events and things that we're a part of uh, tomorrow. Uh, thank you for tuning in today, and thank you for listening to Kwame Laster Sports Talk Radio Show. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.